nutrition, training, and mindset coach. I'm also a personal trainer and your go-to girly for all things hype and confidence. And guys, do we have an exciting episode today? If you have not already guessed from the title, today is our first ever podcast guest episode. I am just so freaking thankful and over the moon that this um, episode has come to life. It is literally a dream. Um, I always wanted Ruby to be my first ever podcast guest and I just can't believe it has really, really happened. So just a quick little intro before we get into the actual episode that her and I recorded a couple days ago and also has a company called Fit With Ruby where she has nutrition, training and mindset clients as well. She is my coach via her Fit With Ruby business and we have been working together for I think about a year and a half. I think in August it will be two years which is just so freaking wild. Um, I forgot to ask Ruby at the end where you can find her so I wanted to let you guys know now that you can find her on Instagram at Ruby Darcy Coaching. Ruby also has her own podcast as well, which is called Ruby Darcy Podcast. And you guys all need to go and follow both of those, both of those places. Go follow her everywhere you freaking can because she is just amazing and you're going to see that in this episode. Now, also before we jump in, if you do enjoy this episode, please, it would mean the absolute world to me if you shared it to your stories so that more incredible people could listen with their gorgeous ears and if you really were feeling super generous um it would just be amazing if you could rate this um episode or this podcast sorry on spotify and also jump over to apple Podcasts and give it a rate and review it just helps so much guys and we are building something so fucking phenomenal here you all mean the world um to me and i just appreciate it so much but yes sharing it on your stories is just like brings a tear to my eye every single time um so thank you for coming back and listening to another episode of the most delicious life podcast and i hope you enjoy our chat I just want to welcome our very first guest onto the podcast. We have Ruby Darcy, my coach, my bestie. Hi, Ruby. How are you going? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be the first guest on this podcast. No, thank you for being here. Guys, literally this morning, Ruby and I were talking about having guests on the podcast. And I said, I was really nervous about it because like, what if Zoom doesn't work? And she was like, okay, let's get on an episode today and record. So we're here literally like three hours later. (laughs) Literally. It was no way it wasn't going to happen today. As soon as you dropped in on that, it was like, okay, like I literally said, if you've got capacity today, Mm -hmm. we're we're recording this. And then next minute you're on Google and and we're working it out. (laughs) And I just feel like this is going to be such a good episode because we have the best conversations. Yes. I'm so excited for everyone just to like listen to this. I feel like I talk about 
you to my clients a lot. And I'm like, if you could just be a fly on the wall or I'll use um our group, like our chat as an example, I'll be like, if you could just see the shit that I sent to Ruby, you would message me more. Like you would message me all the time because I message Ruby constantly. <laughs> 100% and I see it as utilizing the relationship but mm. I also see it as a commitment to expanding our relationship and and strengthening our relationship as well and it's just so beautiful and I feel honestly like, yeah nothing's yeah. limits yeah and like what I've learned from you is that like you're not going to reply and you let unless you've got the capacity to reply and that's what I keep telling them I'm like if it takes me two days to reply, that's not because I'm ignoring you. I'm like, that's because there's no capacity there to give you the attention that you need for that message. Yeah, 100% setting that standard. Absolutely. But Honestly, it's- yeah. Like, no, it's really like, and replying is is not work. It's like really just such a flow. Mm. And that's the beauty of it, especially on a voice message. You can go oh, I love a voice memo- message. Um, all right. So first off, we should probably tell the listeners who you are, because not everybody's going to know who Ruby Darcy Coaching is. So please give us your spiel. Who are you? Thank you. I am Ruby. Uh, I own a, oh my gosh, a online health and fitness business called Fit With Ruby. And this commenced in I'm going to say 2020. So it was a little COVID baby and that was epic just coming into the online world. And what was, what I I fell into out of something that I didn't expect, but as, as a lot of people did fell into the online world through COVID and at the time it was new, but it was equally. And I knew this so, so much at the time, this is the best thing for me. And I remember having this like almost guilt in that period of like people were struggling, people losing their jobs, but I knew that something incredible was coming out of COVID for me. And I'm just so excited that that is still growing and evolving. And now it's very much evolved into more uh, mindset and business coaching work, which I love, but I still have these really strong, beautiful connections with my fitness and, and nutrition clients of which doesn't even feel like it covers it because, you know, as Hannah would know, we just go so deep and so much further into conversation and it's about the human and it's about creating the best life for the human to thrive and live up to their potential. And that's really my, I feel my mission and purpose. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like when I met you, that was seriously like my introduction into anything mindset. And I know you still were like in your infancy then as well with like teaching mindset education and now just seeing you like grow into business coaching. It's just a whole, it's just a whole other realm. And even like in the past couple of months, since you've gone into business coaching, I was reflecting on it today when you were showing me this massive PDF that you've created. I was just like, holy shit, Ruby has grown so fucking much since like doing this transformation and full 180 in her biz. But it's not even a 180 because it's just like, it just made sense. It was just such a natural progression. Yes, totally. It was. It was a progression of allowing myself to follow a path that I wanted to follow, follow a path that made sense based off the questions that lit me up, based off the what I felt was the best contribution I could have. And really, like a lot of my clients moving into the business space, I fell into that. And I think like my lesson for, for, for anyone in that is like, if you feel you could make a better contribution to your life or to the external world doing something else, then follow that because that is always going to make you the happiest. It might not always make sense. And for me, I definitely navigated that period of 
what the fuck? I have yeah. no language uh, for, excuse me, for the F-bomb on the podcast. But <laughs> oh, we have... swear on this podcast. Okay. My, my dad told me I swear too much on it. <laughs> well, look, dad, uh, there is the subscribe button for choice. I was um, like, dad, that's how I talk. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Love you, Dad. <laughs> Personal brand, Dad. It's just work. <laughs> yeah. So it was oh my like gosh. a transition of like, oh my God, hmm. what the hell? And it felt different. And does it just because it feels different? I think it doesn't mean it's wrong. And I've navigated so many moments like this lately. And 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 I see this also in so many of my clients of like changing, evolving at a rapid speed. Hmm. And the the other side of that is oh shit this kind of feels uncomfortable this is kind of like am I supposed to be doing this you don't always know because a lot of that personal growth journey is just you and yourself it's hard Mm. Mm. it's so overwhelming and you know you you're trying to take your friends along with you or your partner along with you or your sister and they're just they're not coming on that journey with you and it's like it just adds that extra resistance because you're like well why is this happening to me it's almost like when you're the first one at school to hit puberty And you're like, why is nobody else going through this yet? Why am I the one growing boobs? Why am I the one having to like hide pads in my bag? This wasn't me, by the way, but this is what I I imagine it as. Like with all these like quantum leaps that I see like myself go through, you go through, my clients go through. It's just like, it's like you're all getting your first period before your friends. (laughs) That is the best analogy ever. I love it. Oh my God. And it came to me. (laughs) Yeah, it's and it's literally like you have to go out and explore the new world on your own without any idea or any experience. But that's also the beauty of it. And that's the the strengthening. Like the the byproduct of that is being a stronger, more evolved human, which is so, so cool. Absolutely. And I know that changing your business model definitely wasn't the easiest thing for you. I know that you had a lot of like resistance towards it. And I'd love to ask you about the kind of perfectionist narrative that you fell into for so long and how you kind of recognize that that is what was going on in your life. And that's what was stopping you from moving forward. Yeah, this is, oh my gosh, I love this. And I feel like perfectionism is, oh my gosh, something that I feel like I've been balls deep in like mm-hmm. this perfectionistic trait within me. And really the, the the way that I felt that it was a unquote unquote issue was because I was so frustrated mm-hmm. with myself. I And it was this constant state of frustration in, I am not doing what I want to be doing. I'm not moving in the way that I want to be moving. And I have this pressure on myself with, which is really encompassing all of these different rules that I'm putting on myself, which is like putting like, you know, you're in like a straight jacket or like you're in like, you're in like a small little cube of like, you can only do so much until you've got this belief that, oh no, but it has, it can't be that because it has to be perfect, perfect, perfect. And I really see it as like, circumstantial action and it's only taking action under these certain circumstances that you you only you have created or believed have to be there in order for you to move and just starting to recognize what those were what sort of circumstances or prerequisites I set for myself to make action allowing myself to see that so I could move those or move despite those being there or despite the beliefs being there that really helped 
me move through it, but I think it's like this constant uh, fine balance between holding yourself to a high standard and actually wanting to present with the utmost quality and effort and like present as this person who, you know, somewhat doesn't make mistakes as well. Like there, there's there's that mm-hmm. and wanting to to put your best foot forward. But then there's acceptance uh, to that things aren't always going to be the most fluent thing, that they're not always going to be the, the perfect little neat little package. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's been super interesting. Yeah, really absolutely. Cool. Like, can you think of one of the prerequisites that you kind of had for yourself at that time? Yeah, I think for me, it's very much, oh, it had been like just, I have to be speaking in a way, like, let's say for me, if I'm making content or something mm. like that, like speaking to this, for example, it would be like, okay, well, you can't stutter. You can't use a filler word. You can't have this, like, what if you, oh, but you should have said that, or you should have added this, or you should have this. And it's the should ofs and it's the like unrealistic standard somewhat as well. And, and, and not just with content, I think just like, there's just so many examples of, yeah, like content moving towards goals. It's like, oh, no, mm. but do this when. The narrative like of like do this when or like it's not supposed to be something where you slow down and it's like really it's hard. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I feel like we see that in gym clients when it's like, oh, I have to be feeling motivated. I have to be feeling excited. I have to have lots of energy. I have to have a good night's sleep all to be able to go to the gym until they actually get to the point where they realize like, oh, I can go to the gym and have a decent session without actually wanting to go to the gym and have a decent session because I've just made it a part of me that that's what I do. Mm-hmm. And it's like having those prerequisites and breaking those prerequisites down or you you even hear it like, oh, I need to lose five kilos before I can get a gym membership. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I'm like, that's one of the craziest kind of like barriers to entry that you'll give yourself because you're looking at this place that's like designed for you to achieve that goal and you're going, no, I have to achieve the goal before I actually go into the goal-based place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's 100%. wild. Yep, 100%, absolutely. And it's and and it's really reflecting the belief of what they feel is going to happen to them if they're not in this state of perfectionism that they've put in their head of like, mm. what do you believe is going to happen to you if you're not five kilos lighter and you mm. step foot into a gym? What is that fear around that? And I think looking at that can help to really unveil the root cause. And, and for what from what I've experienced with clients is that they fear that people will judge them. It's a huge one. They fear that they're out of place. And these are ultimately narratives that do not have any evidence at all. Yeah, it's it's so funny because it's a control thing, yet they are fully relinquishing their control by going, but somebody else is going to judge me. Somebody else is going to think this of me. Somebody else is going to think I don't fit in. And they're seeking this control by going, well, I'm going to change who I am to fit in yet you're still giving up all the control by going, I'm afraid of their opinion. Mm. But what I tell a lot of my clients is that the fear that we have of somebody else's opinion is actually just our opinion within ourselves. We're just disguising it because it's nicer to hear from somebody else's mouth than to think that we're calling ourselves all the mean names. We're saying all the mean things about ourselves. It's easy to think that that random bloke in the corner over there is thinking that of us because like we can just go home and be like, this asshole at the gym, I cannot believe him. He looked at me once. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. reality, he was just looking for a dumbbell. <laughs> he yes. actually did look at you. 
Yes, exactly. And it's the hypervigilance that comes Mm. out of our insecurities and the other weird behavior that comes out of our insecurities, like the self-doubt, the perfectionism, the procrastination, the avoidance, the anxiety. Okay. That's all stemming from this insecurity that you have within yourself. So what advice do you give to people to really break through that first of like the insecurity let's say they're insecure of their appearance and it breeds all of this anxiety and it breeds all of this avoidance or um, perfectionism. Like what would you say to someone who say, yeah, is like needs to lose five kilos before they need to go to the gym? Mm. I think it's reminding them that any thought that they have, that's coming from their inner mean girl. Like any thought that they have, we need to stop projecting it onto other people and onto different, like even locations because we'll project it onto the gym. We'll just say the gym is this place that I can't go because X, Y, Z. And it's like, you need to realize that everything you're saying the gym is, is what you're thinking. And then number two, I think I go through the whole process of you're allowed to be there as much as anybody else is able to be there. And I was having a conversation with a client last night and she was saying that generally in the past, if there was a girl in the gym who, you know, would have her quote unquote, like dream body, she'd feel super uncomfortable, super nervous and be like, that girl's going to be staring at me, watching all the things I'm doing. But lately she's actually just stopped allowing herself to think and feel those things. And Mm. what's happened is that she's realized that these girls that she looks up to were once in her position. And one day she's going to be a year ahead of somebody else who's looking up to her going, oh my God, this girl's like so scary and she's so perfect. She's so beautiful. And I don't want to work out because she's in the gym. And it's realizing that everybody else is either on, like they're all on the same journey, which is a different position. You can't pedestal somebody and pretend that they've never been where you currently are. Mm, Yeah. If you're going to pedestal them, you need to realize that they've been where you've been. Yes, exactly. And the beauty in that is seeing that then looking on the other side of the lens of like, okay, well, someone I look up to, you know, or someone who looks up to me, it it just shows that it's possible for all of us or anyone who's achieved the most incredible success that we pedestal or we admire, or we just only hope that we can achieve that. We're all made up of the same, you know, wiring. We're, We're all humans. We are all equally capable, which is really changing the narrative of, okay, I'm gonna look at these people as, you know, either being worthy or being this type of person, a gym person or not a gym person it's actually just like oh they're they're my inspiration of like how I can evolve and what I can evolve into they are my permission slip they are showing me what's possible which is also so incredible yeah absolutely I think it comes down to like a lot of comparison as well Mm. so many people experience so much comparison I think it's been going forever like I remember being like being plagued with comparison since like primary school you're comparing yourself to the perceived popular girl. So we can say it's social media and I think that makes it worse, but I don't think it's only social media because I think everybody wants to be the popular girl, no matter what area in life you're at. And we were watching Big Bang Theory last night, Pete and I, and there's like the friendship of the three girls and the Amy, like the the nerdier girl, I guess you'd say, Mm -hmm she turned to her boyfriend and goes like, I'm finally the popular girl. I'm the one that they come to, to bitch about each other to. And she was super excited and super happy. And I'm like, you're seeing it like, you know, shown on this comedy, this TV show, because it's what people think and feel. Like we're laughing at that joke because it's actually something that we all desire. We're all like Amy inside of us trying to be that popular girl that 
you know, you're the central friend. You're the friend that keeps everyone together. You're the one that like everyone looks up to. Everyone wants to be like a role model for somebody. Mm -hmm. 100%. It's that sense of belonging. Yeah. Oh, I belong to something or to someone, or I belong to a sense of purpose. And it's especially hard when even like, as we said before, like navigating change and navigating your evolution, you might start to think, what the hell do I evolve into? You know, you start to learn things about yourself. Like you might start your health journey and you feel like you don't belong to your friendship of of group friendship group anymore of people that like to go out drinking and they they don't train and then you they can't relate to you or they and then from there because you they don't feel like you belong to them they'll start projecting onto you and that's like a whole other conversation yeah. of like oh you're so this like why are you going to the gym again or like why are you like so obsessed like just have a drink like it's fine you yeah. know like, it's exhausting for both groups of people. It's exhausting for the people that like to go out and drink and they're watching their friend change and, you know, they're like feeling distant from them. But then it's also exhausting for the person who's trying to change because they're also like, why are you normalizing things that are so unhealthy for you? But you need to remember that you're the one having the epiphany. Just because you're having the epiphany doesn't mean that everybody else is going to have it at the same time. And I think a lot of the time what will happen is the person who's on that health journey, who's changing their life, will get really frustrated that their friends aren't coming along. And it's like, why won't you just listen to me? I'm doing what's right. I'm doing the right thing. But you need to remember six months ago, you were exactly where your friends are and you can't just expect them to change as rapidly as you are. Mm -hmm. 100%. And not everyone's path is going to look the same as well. And everyone has that desire or, you know, they have their own narratives of of fear um, and stories that are limiting them and everything else. And I think like it's trusting your timeline and, and with that as well, if you do feel like you're going alone, keep going alone because you will connect with what will make sense. Well, whether that be the people in your life, whether that be the success and the validation that you are on the right path, but keep moving on that path. If you feel that pull. And I think it's, again, it's a hard thing to navigate on your own, but it always makes sense. Like I've, I've, I've definitely found there is always evidence to support the destiny that you want to create or the destination you want to get to. Yeah. I think as like, if you're having doubts about your journey, about your path, because your friends aren't coming with you, just imagine yourself stopping that trajectory for six months, continuing to do what your friends are doing because that's what they desire. How are you actually going to feel in six months time? Are you just going to be really, really frustrated? I think about like a, a high school boyfriend that I tried to break up with once and then I failed and we continued to date for another four months. And then at the end of that four months, I was like, why the fuck am I still in this relationship? I tried to get out of it four months ago and I backtracked because I was scared. And then like, you know, tried to like pretend it was all good and happy and everything. And then my feelings of course didn't change. They just like resurfaced after I pushed them back down. Mm. So those feelings, if you're looking at changing your lifestyle, if you're looking at like, you know, changing like what you do on the weekends, you can put a pause on it and you can push it back down, but it's going to come back up for you because that's your trajectory. That's your path. Mm -hmm. They don't just pop up for the sake of it. It's like people who fall into drinking culture, you know, as much as that might suck, it's obviously the direction that your life was meant to go on at some point. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And it's just going to come up again in, in literally disguised in different outfits, literally. It's like, oh, there's that again. There's that again. And yeah. Like, no. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Cause you can, you can look back at like, you know, your early twenties or your like late teen years and be like, why was I out drinking? Why was I not in the gym? Like, cause you're 25 now and you're in the gym all the time. And you look at these girls who have been in the gym since they're like 17 and they're ripped. And you're like, why was I not doing that? And it's like, does 18, like imagine put your brain, like 18 year old brain back on again. Do they have any interest in the gym? Like you can't just keep saying why, why, why it's like, except where you're at now. These are the cards you've been dealt because it comes into that victim mindset then. Mm, definitely, definitely. And it, and it just all reflects the perception that you choose to take of like, oh, it is that lack perception of like, oh, it's been so long and I missed out on, on all of this or why wasn't I doing this? It's like, look how much you have ahead of you and look at what you can do with that, that new wisdom look what you can create with adjusting that perception. And I think even that in itself of like adjusting your perception in, in so many different ways to, in order to control the emotion that you feel, because the emotion is going to dictate your thoughts, feelings, and actions, right? Like that. So it really just like, if you're feeling an emotion that's somewhat negative or guilt or shame or stress or fear, you've somehow curated that for yourself. So with that knowledge, how can you curate a different emotion, which is going to fuel the action that you want to take, right? Like, you know, reframe the perception. You got yourself into that perception in the first mm -hmm. place. Like if you're feeling like you're in the lack, you're not doing enough, you're not enough, you're not going to achieve enough. You're choosing to think that. So equally, you can choose the opposite. And with that, that's empowering. Like that's fuel for the fuel tank. Mm. Um, you can go so far with that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we talk about like a lot about control, what you can control and what you can control, you know, isn't a lot. But at the same time, what you can control is a lot. It's just depending on what you are trying to control. Are you trying to control other people's reactions and other people's thoughts and their behaviors? Or are you trying to control yourself and your own thoughts and your own behaviors and your own emotions? Because I think a lot of us, when we think about controlling things, we think about controlling other people. And we we remove ourselves from the picture because like, well, why do I need to control myself? I'm already doing that. It's like, but how consciously are you actually doing that? And I think you're really, really good at bringing a lot of like consciousness to different topics and something you were talking about on your recent podcast episode was like actually changing the way you think about the perceived negatives and the perceived positives to different situations. And I really, really loved that like change of perspective because I think you can apply it to so many different things, you know, like the gym, like um, eating breakfast even or changing the breakfast that you're eating going for that morning walk, waking up at 6am. Like, I just thought that was a really, really valuable um, lesson. Would you mind talking to that a little bit for the potty? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, 100%. So within that, I think it's really choosing to take responsibility. Like at the end of the day, it's like, it's a choice. Like, as you were saying before about it's, it's easier or it's often, we often default to putting that blame onto something external or hoping that other people move or, or change or evolve. But really it's a convenient way to, to not look at ourselves and not take responsibility for, for what we could otherwise do and how we could move. And that really comes into, as you said, like the perception that we take on 
you know, what, what we can do, like, okay, well, are we going to look at our life and just be a victim to it? Or are we going to look at the pieces that we can start to move and start to actually just choose differently? And with those things, it's, uh, often I see people saying, well, I can't do that. And they insert excuse or belief about Mm -hmm. how it might feel. And that could be like waking up earlier and it's like, okay, well, you know, I can't do that because, and they have this story of, of like, I couldn't wake up that early or, you know, for example, but it's really like, is that true? Like you actually haven't, that's a perception which has created a belief and created a story. And now that's going to become your programming, i.e. I'm not a morning person. I don't wake up at 4am, but really you've cultivated all of that. And therefore you've, you've limited yourself. You've cut yourself off at number one, just trying to see if that's a vibe for you and number two you fully therefore capped your ceiling at like oh I can't possibly start my day at that time based off my perception my belief my programming that I've now created so I think it's just dropping all of that and just like really recognizing that it's just perception based it's like if we're talking about getting up early it's just the time of the day you know like okay well if if there's so many um disadvantages to that then what are the uh possible like advantages through that and how can we move with what we're going to gain from that as well yeah yeah it's so funny the the perception change I I always try and like remind myself of like where I used to be when I talk to clients because I think that's really valuable to just like put yourself back in their shoes because like right now somebody tells me they wake up at 8 a.m that like I'm like half your day is gone like (laughs) what do you mean you're waking up at 8 a.m I'm like I've been awake for like three and a half hours already like I'll tell people I had a sleep in today. They're like, oh, so nice. I'm like, yeah, I got up at 6.30. They're like, oh, that's not a sleep in. <laughs> you know, but I think like back when I lived in Victoria, especially like waking up at 7 a.m. for work would be so early. I'd be like, oh my God, I have to, I can't believe I have to wake up seven. Like seven, that's a ridiculous time to have to try wake up or heaven forbid six. Like how, how could I? Yeah. Anzac day the other day. Mm. wake up at like five or something because it starts at 5 30 wake up at four I'm like this is when I wake up for work I'm like this is so normal but we forget because we've normalized it how foreign and scary it feels to other people because you're like five is just the time of the day it's just the morning whereas a lot of people don't start looking at morning until like seven yeah yeah hundred percent it's all perception and repetition of perception as well that it's over time Mm. it's like oh never I have never and it's true you probably never have Mm. but that doesn't mean you never could and what it also prompted me to come into when I was listening to what you were saying as well about you know when you live back in Victoria and you have to get up for work it's a different ball game when you lose autonomy and when you feel like I just I'm thinking high school days as well like getting Mm. 30 it's a drag or, or school even like like oh sorry not school excuse me work like that makes sense of like you're getting up for someone else and you're getting up because you have to you're yeah. getting up because you should right there is like it's disempowering and and human beings in their nature do not like not mm-hmm. having control and having autonomy so coming into being the one who makes the decision to get up early and not because and this is just an example for context it could be anything of like what your coach is encouraging you to do or what Hannah and I are saying you should you know not like all you could do in this yeah. like example 
is really like deciding that for yourself because that autonomy and taking that, it has to come from you. It has to come from that desire from you. That is going to send you like so far forward because Mm. you wake up knowing that you're choosing that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there's this concept, I guess, of like living for work and people don't split their days up into the different sections. People just see the morning as like a pre-work and then you go to work for eight hours and then they see the afternoon as a post-work before they have to go to sleep to go to work the next day. And I saw this in my partner when he was working a job that made him really miserable, that he did not enjoy. And everything was just like a, oh, I have to go to work in, you know, after this sleep or I have to go to work when I wake up in the morning. Whereas what I try and cultivate for a lot of my clients or talk to a lot of my clients about, I'm like, if you don't have to go to work, like, and you don't start working until 9am, I'm like, you have hours where you get to do something for yourself. That's not just a lead up to work. It's not breakfast. So you can go to work. It's not a walk because you can't go to for a walk after work. It's like, that's a walk for your mental health. That's a walk. So you get to listen to that podcast episode that you really wanted to listen to, you know? You get to wake up and sit in the sun and read your book and drink your tea or your coffee, or maybe you actually get to spend a little bit of time with your partner in the morning and you get to cook breakfast and eat it together or you get to play with the dog. It's like, look at your day as like, where is your time? It's not just time before work. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I have seen that with clients personally of it completely rewrites their emotional state for the entire day and just as what we were speaking on before your emotion then dictates your behavior and that is like it's like the first domino like how you choose to start your day out of choice and autonomy and self-leadership is going to dictate exactly how you feel for your entire day and that is something for me every day of the week is worth doing I do not want to be late and then fall victim to my schedule, right? Like that ain't it. Like I don't know how to learn like that, you know? And it's like when you miss your alarm or you sleep in and then you wake up like, <gasps> like it's that. That's oh, the like, worst feeling. The worst feeling. Touch wood. I haven't done ages. Touch wood. Oh, my God. But it absolutely sucks. But I think that's when people really start to live for the weekend is when yeah. they're only looking at Monday to Friday as they're my work days. Like you can enjoy things Monday to Friday that aren't work. Like you can still have fun and do things for yourself that aren't work, that aren't a chore and not just live for the weekend. Cause then you're going to live for the weekend, but then you're also going to get the Sunday scaries. And it's just like, <laughs> so how much time are you actually enjoying here? Cause you know, Friday night, Oh, I'm just tired from Friday night. And then Saturday I want to sleep in. And then mm-hmm. Saturday night I go out with my friends and I have a really late night. And then Sunday I wake up a little bit hungover and then, Oh no, now I've got anxiety and I've got Sunday scaries and Oh my God, Sunday night's just getting ready for work. I'm like, so where did you enjoy the week? <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. Like where did you do anything for you? Because you don't look at the mornings or the afternoons as you time. It's just pre-work, post-work time. Mm, 100%. And then I think people actually neglect to look at what that looks like in the bigger picture. It's like how many weeks are you okay no. with 
somewhat wasting those weeks where you could otherwise be living in a higher quality state. And I think like identifying, okay, what am I living for? If I'm living for the weekends, what am I living for? What mm-hmm. is that either emotion? Is that something I value? And, and taking that, grasping that and thinking, where can I insert that into every single day of my existence so that every day I'm living for, right? And I really think that's what it is. It's identifying what you crave, looking at your values, right? What you need for yourself, even your love language to yourself. What yeah. do you need? Yeah, and insert that often because you absolutely freaking deserve it. Life is too short. No, honestly, that'll just be the answer to everything. No, 100%. And like your thing might not be waking up at 5 a.m. like Ruby and I. Like that doesn't have to be your thing. But I would also really question yourself if you are telling yourself like, okay, well, my love language to myself is sleeping till 8 and I have work at 9. I'm like, you might not want to wake up at 5 a.m., but is sleeping till 8 actually giving yourself that gift? Is that what you actually desire for yourself? Is that what you actually need? Or are you just kind of like creating your reality as a way that's really comfortable for you to stay in one place? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because it's comfortable. You're familiar with waking up at 8 o'clock. It's cozy. No one wants to get out of bed when it's cold. It's nice. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, but nice could also be getting to play with a dog in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And that's something that like almost scares me in the realm of like getting so used to doing things that are nice, comfortable, easy, pleasurable. Right. Because to me, I'm like, oh shit, like where else am I then going to take the easier path? Where else am I then going to fall victim to how I feel in that moment? And to me that reflects, and of course, everyone is so different, but I also do see it in clients over time. It creates this level of I'm going to say not incompetency. It's like it's weaker. It's like uh, I'm, I'm struggling for the language. It's just like stagnancy I think it creates. Yeah. Like you're not growing to your next level mm-hmm. self because you're just like I'm really happy with this level of myself and it's like I'm. you should be happy. You shouldn't want to grow to the next level of yourself because you're miserable at where you currently are. You should want to grow to the next level level of yourself because you remember what growing to this current level gave you how much excitement and joy and diversity it gave you. So you're like, oh, what could I get at the next, at the next, at the next? It's why people climb business hierarchies because there's always something more. But I feel like this is a lot less toxic potentially. Just trying to better yourself. (laughs) Oh, my God, totally. And I'm even going to relate this to a specific fitness example, e.g., let's say you have like a client and on a muscle building journey, right? And in order to build this muscle, I have a client in particular building muscle over a sustained period of time, which was somewhat uncomfortable, right? It's spending time in a surplus. It's spending time eating more. It's spending time getting used to your clothes, feeling tighter, right? But then getting to a point where you're like, I'm the happiest I've ever been. So it's recognizing therefore that the hardest times created the best times, right? Right. And that will always be the case. And if it was easy, 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 or just come back into diet to be comfortable, Mm -hmm. I'll just, um, you know, pretend I ate all my calories, but I didn't to be comfortable that's going to create the hard times later down the track which is the harsh reality that you're not where you want to be right and it's the easy times create the hard times the hard times create the easy times do you see this within your clients as well absolutely they're always not always but they're trying to choose the easier option or they're not actually framing the question in the hardest kind of hitting way 
it's it's a way that they can kind of like scoot around the reality. No one wants to like look at the reality of what it is. And I say to my clients often, like you need to choose the hard option now so that you, mm-hmm. it, you get the easy life in the future. Because mm-hmm. if you're choosing the, the easy life now, it's only going to be hard in the future. Yes, yes. 100% and and equally I empathize with the fact that choosing the harder option mm. isn't always easy well no shit <laughs> but it requires a level of willpower a level of discipline and then I look to this and I think okay well yes we need to be on this constant hamster wheel of creating more willpower and being more disciplined and and adopting this crazy mindset of grit and whilst I think there is truth to that I also think the people that present with the most willpower and the most discipline have actually cultivated the circumstances that don't require them to really push that much willpower so it's really like how can we create this how can we create change that's fearful but make it more desirable? Or how can we take our growth journey and make it more incentivizing? How can we take the hard path of what my coach is telling me to do and make this 10 times more exciting, right? Because then you don't have to rely on willpower. Yeah, yeah. It's just easy. It's just something you get to do instead of it being something that you have to do. And I think that's, I really like coming back into that thought of like, okay, no, I get to do this. You kind of like check your privilege a little bit of like, what are you currently complaining about? And I think I've said this on my podcast before, but like, I don't complain directly very often. Like I'll have issues with things, but I won't complain very often. Like I won't go to a client and be like, oh, I'm so tired today unless I've got my period. So like, you know, <laughs> but um, like, yeah, I just, and I was having a conversation with a client this morning about like complaining's not getting you anywhere. It's actually just bringing more negativity into this space. You think by complaining, you're like sharing your frustration and you're getting it out and you and this person can bond over like, yeah, the weather sucks. Like it's so annoying. It's making me so depressed, but it's like, now you're just hyper aware of how bad the weather is and how depressed you currently feel. Yeah. Like why are we complaining? (laughs) Yes. Well, I think it's to avoid taking responsibility. Mm. Yeah. It's like, especially when you get validated for complaining, yeah. Like, this is even better. I get to have this conversation be validated for not taking responsibility mm. overall, essentially, mm. because yeah. it's uncomfortable. And, and you know, sometimes you can feel sorry for yourself in a little moment's time, totally. But as you said, unproductive, waste of your energy, not moving the needle forward. It's giving you a little stroke on the back, make it feel good. <laughs> and then it's not, not doing anything. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and catching yourself out on that because I think people often don't realize it or they're in environments, circumstances, relationships where that's normalized, as you said, and it's common. Uh, And I think if you can catch yourself out on that, you can also start to take the lead in your relationships as well. Of like, hey, like, cool, but you'll be fine. Or like, you know, rewiring the complaint of like, hey, we're good, you know. Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. Um, this kind of like not really segues me into what I want to talk about next, but I'm going to go there anyway. Um, because you and I, before this podcast, were just talking about overconsumption of social media and that kind of like breeding, um, you know, comparison, but also that like lack of clarity of who you are. And I think like the kind of complaint when I think about complaining and getting validated for that, I think about when you go to your friends and you're like, oh my God, you won't even want to look at my screen time. It's disgusting. It's awful. And then your friend's like, 
no, like mine's even worse. And you're like, oh, okay, so I don't feel so bad about myself now. And I think that's really <laughs> it common. It gets you off the hook. You're like, oh, yeah. I'm not as bad yeah. as my mate. So we're fine. Yeah. Absolutely. But also like, don't look at my screen time. It's appalling. But I, because <laughs> I work on my phone a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I started yeah. trying to use Instagram on my computer. So my screen time's not as high because I feel so um, bad. That's funny. If I'm replying to messages, I'm like, I could do this on my computer. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, like <laughs> now, where am I trying? What am I trying to ask? Um, where do you kind of see this like lack of clarity from overconsumption coming through? Because I, it's it's really big in the fitness industry, especially when you are a coach, because you're looking at so many other coaches, you're looking at so many other businesses and you're trying to be creative and you're not just going on social media as a consumer. You're going on social media as someone who's also needing to post and generate. And it can be really like cluttering in your mind. Yeah. So kind of yeah. where are you at with this overconsumption? And then also, I guess like, how do you converse with like clients about this? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I could speak to this in like until the cows come home. I feel like I'm in my grandpa era where it's like, <laughs> get off your phone. Like, no, but- me too. Every every time I talk to you, you're like, what have you been doing? I'm like reading and drinking tea. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I do. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I see it, I actually see it as an issue. And it's so, like, I don't want to come in with a cliche of, like, we're all addicted, but it's a fucking issue. Oh, yeah. Because it's so accessible. It's at our fingertips. And oh, I want to say all of my clients, and it's now an, and I'll get to the um lacking clarity in a moment, but, mm-hmm. like, just a quick detour of, like, it's now something where people feel so uncomfortable in sitting in their own presence slash they will be bored for 35 fucking seconds and grab TikTok because they can't sit with themselves in stillness, in silence with their thoughts, right? And therefore you're blocking yourself off from having your best idea is having your most creative expansion having like seeing yourself in a way you've never seen yourself from before so there's that it's not comfortable it's not stimulating right we get such a quick hit of pleasure when we're scrolling tiktok oh, that dopamine right like just mm, instant dopamine. yeah yeah and it's cheap like cheap do- dopamine as they yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and with that and, and the lacking clarity it's the it's the fatigue of having so much stimulation through a camera, through a screen, through a phone screen, right? There is so much stimulating content of people doing hundreds of different things, especially if you spend like, say what, if you spend an hour on TikTok, how many reels do you think you would watch in an hour? It would have to be hundreds. Like so many, because how many you realistically like watching, especially when there's like the two minutes or however long TikTok, how many of them are you actually watching? Like you're not watching many of those. Well, the uh, fun fact, the average attention span of a human is eight seconds. (gasps) God, no wonder we feel so good when we get back from a walk. Or like, (laughs) I'm not even going to say the gym because like people go on their phone in the gym. I go on my phone in the gym. Like sometimes when you just like, actually intentionally go okay I'm not going to pick up my phone in between this set and you just like are kind of looking around you're like holy shit everyone's like neck hunched shoulders hunched like on their phones and they're also worried about posture in the gym and form and then it's just like little computer gamer boy instantly (laughs) like 
quickly, quickly do my seated row and then I'll get back to my hunch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually, I had a client tell me, um, that she really struggles to like read during the day. And I really fucking empathize with her. Cause I was like, this was me. Like I could only read at night. Cause I'm like, cool. My day's done. It's time to read. And I was like, so if you want to read during the day and you feel like, oh no, I can't. Cause that's not productive enough. I'm like, what do you do? She's like, oh, probably go on TikTok. I'm like, well, there, there's your answer. Like mm. that, that's hundred yeah. percent. I'm like, and I'm guilty of that too in the past, mm. but it's being able to recognize that, oh, actually I'm not even going and being in quotes more productive. Yeah. I'm just going on my phone. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. And you're blocking yourself from an opportunity to refine that skill. If you want to be good at someone who can, you know, uh, actually focus in your gym session or be a daytime reader or mm. even if you just want clarity on your life, your direction, you want more momentum in your goals, what whatever they may be, it's like check your consumption because yeah. you can only hold so much in your mind as well in terms of the information, right? You can only hold so much. And when you're at capacity full of full to the brim of TikTok and everything you've seen or what everyone else is doing, you don't have capacity to think clearly on what you're doing. There's no room to think clearly. And it's robbing yourself of making the most of your brain power. It's it's robbing you of maximizing the gift that you have, which is your mental clarity, right? And I see this with clients, uh, fitness clients, on their worst body image weeks or moments or days. It's often, okay, well, wh- where did this start? You know, like wh- where, what was a trigger? What is triggering you when you are in these low body image days? It's, and it's usually, oh, I think I should look like this and I don't. Well, why do you think you should look like that? Oh, well, because these people on TikTok do. And, and yeah. why don't I look like that yet? And yeah. it's like, well, if, if you weren't consuming, you'd think very differently. The perception would be different, which 100%. would then mean emotion is different. The action yeah. is different. Yeah. I've actually grabbed the phones of a couple clients before after asking them about what their Instagram feeds look like. And I'm like, do you have many models? Do you have influences? Like, no, not really. Like, da, 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 da. And I look and it's like fashion account, fashion account, beauty account. And I'm like, and, and they're just like kind of looking on my shoulder going, oh, and I'm like, okay, here's 20 accounts I want you to follow right now that are diverse bodies, diverse people. And like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's yeah I'm so like, funny. you need to change this because this yeah. is why we keep having these same conversations. And I'm like, I know you can't curate your TikTok feed as like directly, but we can curate Instagram really, really directly. Like we can remove people. I'm like, you don't need to be following ASOS. You don't need to be following like, you know, rare beauty. Like you don't need to be following these brands because you know those brands exist. And when you want to consume them, when you want to shop from them, you will. You don't need someone telling you to shop from them. Like I unfollowed so many fitness brands because I'm like, cool, when I want to buy a new pair of shorts, I'll just go find a company that sells gym shorts that I want to buy. I don't need them telling me when I want to buy shorts. Yes, yes, 100%. I love that. You may just imagine you grabbing your Oh, I'm aggressive. (laughs) I mean, I'm not aggressive. I'm really not. (laughs) No, no, I actually, I heard the other day that um, multitasking wasn't actually even a term that we used for human behavior before computers. So multitasking, the term actually came about when computers were made because computers can multitask. You've probably heard this before because I know you would have yes. listened to this podcast. Oh, I read it <laughs> um, in a book. 
but yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just so interesting. And it's not to say that humans weren't multitasking beforehand. We just yes. didn't have the language for it. And then when you don't have the language for it, you don't have this push for it as well. So cool. We're, we were probably multitasking. We definitely would have been. But now yeah. there's this like guilt behind the need to multitask. Um, and I, I heard this this guy on a podcast from the Imperfects podcast, and he was saying that he's really, really being super intentional about cutting down his multitasking. And mm-hmm. even like listening to podcasts, he's like, if I'm driving, I'm driving in silence. And he and the other guys on the podcast were saying how much more creative he's been since cutting out all the multitasking and just love being that. in his thoughts. It's mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. That's cool. And I love yeah. that. And it's, it's really like listening to that. You're like, okay, cool. There's the answer. But then actioning that is fucking hard. Like yeah. actioning that is is totally hard and we totally get that. And I think it's patience and it's intentionality. Give yourself patience to make this behavior change, but be fucking intentional with it in knowing when you're dipping to, oh, just have a quick scroll. Oh, it's been like 25 minutes. I've ignored my little um, timer limit. Yeah. If you have yeah. a timer limit on your app, you know, <laughs> it's clocking that and it's coming into awareness with that. You don't have to cut it all out straight away because that realistically may not be the case. <laughs> However, patience and intentionality I think is huge and I love that you said that and I I, I think I read this in a book of like priorities I think it was the word mm. priority the, the uh, they changed the definition of it or something that originally priorities plural was never yeah. a thing and oh. until, yeah it was always singular singular because it makes wow. sense yeah and yeah. now they've, they've changed the definition to like it's multiple priorities and it's just like well that doesn't make sense because there's only one priority you know Oh my God. The way we're just molding the world to like fit what we want. Mm. Bloody hell. Well, Ruby, I am aware that you do need to go, but I've got some really quick little questions to ask at the end, which I haven't told you about. I'm here just for it. Even okay. more like kind of get to know you kind of vibe. So just quick fire round. Um, what is your favorite gym exercise? I can't choose this multiple. Hang on though. I want to give you a direct answer. I'm going to say... It's a sumo deadlift. Oh, I love a sumo deadlift. Yes. <laughs> um, your current food obsession. Oh. <laughs> um, my oats with berries, banana, nuts every day. You know, just you know when you have those same things. Yeah. It's always boring, but it's so good. No, it looks amazing. It's so beautiful and vibrant. Um, a podcast recommendation for everybody. Oh, good question. Okay, podcast. I mean. Huberman Lab is that a, is that a boring one? I feel like no, that's a good one because you're guaranteed to learn something, guaranteed to um absolutely blow your marbles off, and it definitely requires some intentional focus though. But definitely, like you'll learn some things that you haven't otherwise heard before. Very yeah, space. yeah, love it. And then last question: What makes you feel like you are living your most delicious life? Oh my god, Ruby's face crazy. right now. <laughs> That is such a beautiful question. It is, it's choice every day. Yeah. Oh my God. I love it. It's so simple. Choice. Drop the mic. Done. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for being here, Ruby. This has been the biggest pleasure ever. Thank you for being my first friggin' podcast guest. I can't believe done it. Cherry's popped. <laughs> oh my God. It was amazing. I loved this experience. I hope everyone gets so much value from this episode. 
Oh my God. I'm so sure they will, but have the most amazing rest of your day, everybody. And we will talk to you again so soon. I'm sure. (laughs) 